Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Great job, didn't they? Back by popular demand. They did fantastic. I loved it. <laughs> um, hey, I just wanted to tell you, so the pastor that you saw on there, he, they're pastoring in Connecticut, and it's just so exciting to see uh, young couples wanting to make a difference in one of the most unchurched regions of our country, uh, going into um, into those, those areas that are very post-Christian um, uh, I think you said the other day, anti-Christian, and, and watching them go back and make a difference in their community. And so you were part of investing in their leadership and their ability to, to establish things and build things there in, uh, in the East Coast. And that's, that's just a cool thing to be a part of. So good job. You, you did good. You did good. Hey, um, I kind of expected you guys to be the party animals because it's 1130. And uh, <clears throat> that's, that's, so that's, that, I'm kind of expecting that. But hey... We have, this is the third service today, first time we've done this kind of just not on Easter, like a, just pretty fun. It's been a breeze for me. People are asking me, how are you doing? It's been a breeze. I could do this anytime. I think I can do this every single Sunday. And then I remember it's because I'm not preaching. That's why it's so easy. And um, we have uh, some guests with us. Pastor Bob and Kara are with us here from Walla Walla, Washington. <clears throat> You know, in the, in the kingdom of God, uh, life and the kingdom of God move at the pace of relationships. So when God wants to do something in your life, he will introduce you to people. Um, he, he doesn't necessarily introduce you to resources. He introduces you to people. And, um, and I've discovered that every time we're about to make a shift or move, move forward in some area of our life or the church, God brings a kingdom connection or a person who your spirit just resonates with with them. And uh, Pastor Bob and Kara were, were those for us, and they've since become overseers in this church. So what that means is they are they are part of our apostolic elders. Like they they check in on my wife and I, and, and they they kind of uh, um, kind of like moms and dads in the in the church. And um, and so we're so thankful to have their voice in my wife and I's life, but I, I'm also very thankful that they can have a voice in our church's life. So get ready for a great word from Pastor Bob. You guys are amazing. Okay, hey, now stand to your feet and just say thank you to your pastors because they're amazing. Yeah, come on now. These people are incredible. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. My wife just did a cheerleading move because they're amazing. All right, high five somebody and then be seated. Oh, you didn't high five, high five. All right, high five. We are uh, super grateful to be able to be connected to Celebration Church, what God's doing here in Idaho, and then to know your pastors. We met them back in around 2017, I believe. That's when you guys got married, so it was around that time. And 
Like we did get married. We, I mean, we got married. We, we got, we met at their wedding. Is that correct? Yes, we met at the wedding in my office. That's right. So November of 2017. So that's been, it'll be uh, four and a half years ago. And we, we have the opportunity to meet pastors. That's what we do. We pastor, we meet a lot of different pastors. And you guys have amazing pastors. I want to tell you why. I want to tell you why. And what your pastor just said about when God wants to do something in your life, he doesn't just deposit money into your account. There's something far worth more than that. You see, deposits relationships into your account. And they are relational people. It's, it's been so interesting to me as, as I, I've gotten to know Roger and Kim over the years, is I'll bring up somebody that I know. He knows them. Well, if he doesn't even know them personally, he knows of them. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they, they pass here. And it's like, because he, he is all about relationships. He's also all about learning. So when we connected yesterday, we met at the coffee shop. He pulled out his yellow piece of paper and had all these questions on it. He's like, all right, let's get after it. He wanted to start asking questions. That, my friends, is a really good sign that your pastor is all about relationships and he's all about learning and he's all about Jesus and he's all about you. They love you and they love God, so you're in good, good hands. So give them a hand clap one more time, will you? We love you guys. We're proud of you. And we're so grateful for what God is doing. Look at this. Three services on Sunday. Oh, my word. Pastor Roger thinks it's so easy. It's so easy. So great. The team thinks it's so easy, right? Whatever time you guys get here, 4 o'clock in the morning or something ridiculous. But it's so worth it because it's, it's all about people. And if this is your first time to Celebration Church, come back. Listen to the pastor's hearts next week. It's going to be incredible. Friends Sunday. It's not that you can't bring a friend any other weekend, but next weekend is going to be friends. I said next weekend, friends Sunday. It's friends Sunday. And then I think another time there you have best Sunday. And every Sunday here is the best. So this is a great place. And you're in a great house. And so we're so grateful to be able to have the opportunity to, to share God's word with you today. And, and, and so I, I want to share on this subject today. And I want to talk about moving from religion to relationship. It's somewhat of it's my, it's my life journey. And if you don't understand what that means, I'm going to try to help you today. Because I wouldn't have understood what it had meant many years ago either. But I want to help you because here's how I define religion. Is it's man's attempt at reaching God. <laughs> Good luck! And then Christianity is relationship. It is God's attempt at reaching man. And God's far better at reaching us than we are at reaching him. And so I want to focus on that today if I can and help us. Because all of us are tempted with religion. Which to me, I'm just here to tell you, I think it's a facade. And I want you to have the real thing. And that's called relationship. And a relationship with Jesus is what I'm talking about. Now, I don't know what it is about Christian jokes. But Christian jokes have a lot to do with St. Peter standing at the pearly gates. And he's always the one who asks the questions to get us into heaven or not. Now, by the way, this is not true, and it's not in the Bible if you don't know the Bible. But here's one of them that I heard. So St. Peter's at the pearly gates, and he's asking people as they come in. And, and he says, hey, what denomination are you? And he said, well, I'm Methodist. He said, okay, great. If you're Methodist, I want you to go to room 11. But be quiet as you pass room 8. Okay, heads on out. Next person in line. He said, what denomination are you? He said, well, I'm Presbyterian. 
wonderful, glad to have you. Why don't you go to room 22, but be quiet as you pass room 8. Next person in line comes up, says, what denomination are you? And he says, well, I'm Assembly of God. And he said, wonderful, so glad that you are here, but you need to be quiet as you pass room 8, as you head down to room 33. He said, well, I've been hearing you keep saying, be quiet as you pass room 8. Why do I have to be quiet when I pass room 8? He said, oh, that's because the Baptists are in room 8, and they think they're the only ones here. All right. Thank you for laughing at that cheesy pastor joke. We sure appreciate it. If you grew up in church, I grew up uh, in the Catholic church until I was 15. And I learned that you can go to church and not know God. Just like you can stand in a garage and not be a car. And it wasn't until I discovered that you can have a relationship with Jesus, that you can actually know the God of the house, that there was something different between religion and relationship. And so I want to take you on a journey today where I believe Jesus is crying out to people who are stuck in religion and inviting them into relationship. And it's Jesus entering into the scene, Old Testament, New Testament. He's coming in right at the end of the old. He's embarking on the new where the Old Testament, all they knew was rules and rituals. That's all they knew in how to approach God. And he enters into the scene. He's like, hey, you can have a relationship with me and I'll forgive you of your sins and I'll give you a new heart. Here it is. It's in John chapter seven in verse 37. Look at this. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. I don't know what you think Jesus shouted to the crowds, but I would like to show you what he actually said if you've never read this scripture in just a few moments. But I want you to see this. It's talking about the last day, the climax of some festival. Well, what festival's going on? Well, for the Jewish people, there were three big festivals that Jewish men would go to every year. Well, this is one of the big three. And so Jesus is here at the festival, and it's a week-long party. What it's about is it's celebrating a season of the Old Testament people of God, the Israelites, who journeyed out of bondage in Egypt, were on their way to the Promised Land, and they were this place called the Wilderness. And while they were in the wilderness, they had this three-day stretch where there was no water. So they're dying of thirst, and then God provides a miracle. He speaks to Moses. They provide water from a rock. Well, this festival is all about celebrating God's miraculous provision of water from a rock. So here's what they would do. In this festival, the priests would have golden pitchers. They would walk down. Crowds would be following them. They would walk down to the pool of Siloam. They would dip their golden pitcher into the pool. They would walk back to the temple. It was about a 15-minute walk. So imagine Jesus is watching all of this. Crowds, priests, golden pitchers full of water. Comes over to the temple, and they would pour out the water on the steps of the temple. Well, the last day of the feast, it was quite pompous, joyous event. The crowd's excited. It's the last day of the feast. Priests have their golden pitcher. And what they would do on the last day is they would circle the temple seven times. And then they would pour out the water. Check this out. On the last day, it's as if Jesus can't handle it anymore. And here he is. And he's watching all of this ritual, all of this, this activity. And they're pouring the water out. And the scripture says this. This is what Jesus shouted. On the last day of the festival, on the climax of the festival, put the scripture up. It says this. He shouted to the crowds. So he stands up. Anyone who's thirsty may come to me 
anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. This is what Jesus is shouting out on this day. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. Now, I want to share just a couple thoughts about the difference between religion, the facade, and relationship, the real thing of what Jesus is crying out and saying, hey, come to me if you're thirsty. And then I want to help us make the move from religion to relationship because sometimes the devil tempts all of us to move into something that's not the real thing. Here it is. I brought this, I had this treadmill brought in. Uh, thank you, team, whoever did that. Because I think a treadmill represents religion to me pretty well. Because we get on the treadmill of religion and we feel like we're actually going somewhere and we're not really going anywhere at all. It is quite amazing when you think about it that uh, we create things like this and we all get excited about them and we get on them when we can actually just walk outside. But anyway, um, and go somewhere. So we got this treadmill and we're like, all right, I want to go somewhere. And here's how the treadmill works for me. Or here I've seen it work in my life and I've seen it work in other people's lives. Well, I want to get close to God. So I think there's something called the Bible and I should probably read it. I'd, I really kind of have a hunger to read it. And so I start finding out and start reading about Jesus in the Bible. But then all of a sudden, I hear about your reading of the Bible. And you say, yeah, I was in the Bible this morning for an hour. And you're like, wow, you, you read the Bible for an hour. Whoa, I, let me turn up my treadmill. I want to make sure that I keep up with you and how long you read the Bible. And then you're like, you had a great prayer time this morning, last about five minutes on your way to work. And you were, you really felt like you had a good time with the Lord. And then somehow you got, uh, you saw someone's post about their prayer life to, you know, yesterday or this morning or whatever. And just so in love, my time, you know, praying for my, my hour of prayer. Cause Jesus said, can't you not tarry for an hour? And you're like, oh dear Lord, I got to pray for an hour too. And so you try to, you know, keep up on the treadmill. And you're trying to keep up with everybody else in all their religious stuff that they do not that it's bad stuff it's good stuff but now it's not coming from inside of me and my relationship with Jesus I'm doing it because I want to keep up with you and your stuff and that what you're doing and I'm getting exhausted on this Woo! let me hit this little stop button <sighs> religion here's what I want to tell you it's exhausting and Jesus is making it pretty clear when he said, they're pouring out the water. And he goes, if anyone's thirsty. And I'll tell you what, that makes me thirsty. Religion leaves you very thirsty. It's exhausting. But relationship, Jesus is inviting us to sit down. Come on over. Have a seat. Let's have something called a real relationship. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and he said this, I will give you rest. Whoo! Is there anybody other than this Catholic boy who discovered there's a big difference between the exhaustion of religion and the real deal called relationship? Is there anybody else in the room? I'm grateful. That's exhausting, but relationship, it's exhilarating. And I began to discover, see, at, at first when I was young and I was drugged to church, I was a church druggie, by the way, because I was drugged there every day, every week by my mom. 
And, and, and I, I thought you could only pray to God in church. I thought, I thought you could only ask forgiveness through a priest. That's the only place I did. That's the only place I prayed. I only prayed when I went to church. That was God's house. That's, that's where God, you know, there's no phone to call him, so you just got to talk to him there. And if you want forgiveness, you got to go through somebody else and get your rosaries and beads and all that stuff and go light some candles and do all that kind of stuff. And so I did all that stuff, but that, I didn't know that you could actually take God home. I didn't know that God would go with you. I didn't know that there could be prayer in school no matter whether there's prayer in school or not. I didn't know you could actually pray at work. I didn't know you could pray in your car, which I didn't know you could do all of that until I got rid of the treadmill and I discovered that you could have an actual relationship with Jesus. And in that relationship, he's with you all the time. And this, my friends, this is the real thing called relationship. The real thing, it's exhilarating. And if your Christian life is feeling more exhausting than it is exhilarating, you might be being tempted over towards more of a religious view than you are of an actual relationship with Jesus. One more thought about what religion is versus what relationship is, and then I just want to believe the Spirit of God is going to help us to make a move today, is, is this. Is, Paul writes to the, this church in Galatia. And Paul writes a lot of the New Testament and he writes to this church who, by the way, they were, they were Christians, so it was a Christian church, like celebration, and they're sitting at this seat of relationship with Jesus and all of a sudden they look over and they start seeing other people that are working hard on the treadmill and going through stuff called circumcision. That was like an Old Testament requirement to have to be a part of the people of God. And so they saw that they're doing all this stuff and they thought, well, maybe... Okay, Jesus, I'm going to go over here just for a minute because I think this is what you want me to do in order to stay right with you. And so they're heading back over to the treadmill of religion, and here's what Paul writes to them. Look at how nice Paul is about it. Uh, Galatians chapter 3. Oh, foolish Galatians! I love the Bible. You, you idiots! Who's cast an evil spell on you? Look at that. He's like calling, if we ever leave the chair of relationship to go back to the treadmill of religion, which by the way, the root word of religion comes from two words, re and ligar, which means to return and to bind. It means to return to bondage. If you ever leave the relationship to go back to the bondage of religion, he's like, there's been some evil spell cast over you. He goes, he goes this, for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as, he, as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. In other words, Jesus didn't die to cause you to return to bondage. He died to give you freedom of a relationship. Can I hear an amen today? <laughs> woo, woo, woo. All right. Then he goes, let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Do you see what Paul's saying? He goes, did you get the Spirit? Did you get saved because you were good? And he's like, absolutely not. You received the Spirit of God and you got born again 
because you heard the message of Jesus, not because you earned the right to be saved, not because you cleaned yourself up enough in order to come into the house of God, not because you started to fix some stuff in your life. No, 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 no. You heard the message. That's the only reason you received the Spirit of God. He goes, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by, and look at these four words, your own human effort. Here's the difference. Let me help us. The difference between religion and relationship is a focus. Your own human effort. Over here, I'm focused on myself. Now, I don't think I am. I don't realize I am. But it works like this. So, we all come to Christ and we want to be free from the bondage of sin. Sin of addictions, bondages, sin leads to death, leads to shame, leads to hurting ourselves and hurting other people. So we want to be done with it. And that's good. But here's how the devil gets involved in our desire to be free of sin. Is our focus. And I want to show you that your focus will determine whether you get free of your sin or not. When I'm focused on myself, I'm focused on my sin a lot. I'm focused on my issues a lot. And I'm like, Jesus, can we keep talking about my sin issues for a while? So Jesus, I just wanna tell you about my sin. And then I start talking about my sin. I start thinking about my sin. And I start talking about how much I hate my boss and I shouldn't hate my boss. I know I, I can't really say I hate my boss. So I don't really say that out loud to you, Jesus. But you kind of know that my boss is worthy of being hated, you know, because he really doesn't like you very much. And I don't really like people that don't like you that much. And so I'm really standing up for you, Jesus. So I really don't like them. And if you don't mind killing them, I wouldn't mind you if you did that or not, you know. <laughs> so here we are. And we're talking a lot about our sin stuff. But I just need you to understand something you're actually trying really hard. You're trying really hard, and it sounds good the more you're focused on your sins. So you know you got lust issues or pride issues or whatever, relationship stuff, whatever it is that are your issues, and you keep focusing on it, and you try harder and harder. You keep turning up the treadmill, and you're, you're just like, oh, God, I gotta, I gotta stop it. I gotta stop it. I gotta stop it. But I wanna tell you what that's like. It's like walking every day by on your way to school or on your way to work and there's this big wooden fence with a, with a little hole in it that has arrows pointing towards the hole that has this big statement on it that says, do not look at the hole. And just so you know, you're gonna look at the hole because every day you're like, I'm not supposed to look at the hole. What it's doing, it's making you focus on what you're not supposed to do. And it keeps tempting you, like, I gotta, I gotta not look, I gotta not look, I gotta, if I just look once, I won't have to look again. But the focus with religion is your own human effort to try hard. I just had a testimony, a brother in your church who just shared with me uh, between services. He said that, it's, he said exactly what you were saying, which is what I'm talking to you about right now, about overcoming sin. He said, that worked in my life. I was addicted to drugs. And when I focused longer about trying to not be addicted, not be addicted, stop doing drugs, stop doing drugs, I could never quit. But he said, I was in a small group one time and somebody shared with me, um, whatever his name was, and he, he said, hey, I just need you to know something. It's about your focus. And you keep focusing on trying so hard. And if you would switch your focus from yourself, and here's my point, to switch your focus to a savior, you'll find that all that trying never got you anywhere. 
you're actually in the same place you were when you started trying really hard. But it's all about focus. It's all about you trying to stop sinning. But that, my friends, is religion. And so my friend was sharing me, he said, when I switched my focus, I didn't deal with sin anymore in that addiction issue. Because I switched it, what? To a savior. That is what Jesus is saying to us in John 7. Anyone who's thirsty, come to me. Come over here. I'm your answer. I'm the one who will give you life. Believe in me, Matthew 11. He said, come to me. I will give you rest. None of that, my friends, will deliver you from sin. Religion will never deliver you from sin. Only Jesus. So when I sit down in the relationship with Jesus, and I say, you know what? I still want to be done with that. But today, I just need you to know, I'm going to focus on you. I, I feel like Jesus is like this. Finally. Finally. You've been trying so hard. And so Jesus sits back, and he's like, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? I'm exhausted. Come to me. And then as we begin to learn and study the wonder of who Jesus is, and we have a relationship with him, some of you are going to be surprised by this. You will be surprised that Jesus wants to talk to you about some stuff other than your sin. And as he begins to put stuff in you about who he is and how much he loves you and good news, by the way, did you know that the word gospel means good news? Yeah. Good, glad, merry, happy news. It's good news. Any preacher that's always angry, it's got an issue. Any Christian that's always angry has got an issue with what they're, they're, they're viewing the gospel through the treadmill rather than through the chair. And so Jesus, he, he starts talking to us and relating to us and putting his love in us. And I'm here to tell you, I think you guys sang about it today, your first song. Uh, I don't want to abuse your grace, but it's your grace that makes me not want to sin right? Something like that. I know I'm just destroying whatever the words were, but that was the essence. And that's exactly what happens, my friends. When you fall in love with Jesus and you experience the love of God, why would I ever want to go back to that lesser thing? You see, it's about what truly satisfies. It's not Snickers. It's Jesus. Religion won't satisfy you. Trying hard, being a good person won't even satisfy you. But if you really want to be a good person, you got to know God. Truly have a relationship with him and he transforms you and makes you what he wants you to be. Okay, it's a focus. Focus on self, focus on savior. Let's make the switch. You ready? So, bottom line of what I'm telling you here is Jesus is a far greater savior than you are a sinner. Okay, he's a far greater savior than you are a sinner. And some of you are a pretty good sinner. Come on, let's get honest. Let's be honest. Some of you are really good at it. But Jesus is a far greater savior than even the best sinner in the room. Come on, amen. So sin will never stop grace, but grace has the power to stop sin. So how many of you are ready to make the move? Like, I don't want to have anything to do with religion. I want the real thing called relationship with Jesus. How do I do that? How do I, how do I walk by the treadmill? Because it's always going to be there as a temptation to try to make you try to make yourself better or earn something with God. No, no, no. Let's, let's make the move. Here it is. Quite simply. You ready? I'm asking you a question. You ready? Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. Here it is. Just give up control. 
How easy is that? Isn't that easy? It's just give up control because religion is you calling the shots. Religion is honestly, it's a religion of self. It's, it's putting your trust in yourself to make it to heaven. But all of us have fallen short. I think, I think in terms of like, if we all went to the Grand Canyon and we're looking at it going, it's a long ways. Hell's at the bottom. Heaven's on the other side. Let's go for it. Let's see if we can make it. Now, some of you, you can jump a lot farther than me. And I, I mean, you're like a better person than I am. Honestly, I tell our church that all the time. I know a lot of people in our church are better than I am. They're better people. They're good people. And they can jump a long ways. But how many of you know when you jump and I jump, without God's help, we all ended up <laughs> at the bottom. We ain't making it to the other side. And so we need a Savior. We need Jesus. And so I got to give up control. And this is exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 15, 16. Jesus said to his disciples, look at this. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must what? Give up your own way. There's how simple it is. Just give up your own way. Now, this is kind of a big deal. So when I'm on the treadmill, I can feel like it's not bringing me life and I'm dying here. This is like not doing me any good. I still feel shame. I still feel guilt. In fact, by the way, the treadmill of religion will increase your shame. If, you know, if anybody's been in religion and tried to feel better about your life, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're like, I'm trying to, what happens is the bar keeps getting raised and you never reach the bar, so you always feel more shame. You're like, this isn't working for me. And it's really kind of killing you. But then if you stay in control and you think, that looks better over there. That looks better, a relationship with Jesus. And you head over, but you try to stay in control, which is what some Christians do, by the way. They're like, this is great, Jesus. I'm so glad to have you as my co-pilot. Really grateful to have you as my co-pilot. How many of you know that Jesus is not a co-pilot? He's like, uh, I'm welcoming you on my trip. I'm, I'm Siri here. I'm, I'm the one with all the answers. Not that Siri has all the answers. I don't even really like Siri that much. But anyway, Jesus, if we come into this relationship with Jesus, like we try to stay in control, I just need you to know something. Religion will kill you. And the way to have a relationship here is also to die to self. But the difference between the two, because life is going to kill you. Sin kills you. Religion kills you. And even a relationship with Jesus, there's a death to self. So it's not a question of whether you're going to die or not. Because in the words of William Wallace, every man dies, but not every man really lives. Okay. Anyway, so in, in, it's not a matter of, of whether we all die or not. It's a matter of where we end up after we die. And the only place that you will live on earth truly is in a relationship with Jesus. Because when you lose your life, Jesus said this, you'll find it. You'll find it. So when you give up control and have a relationship with Jesus and let him be in control, you discover what life is all about, which is why I truly believe, I honestly believe this with all my heart, the only people who are truly, truly living are people who are in a relationship with Jesus. Those are the, that's why Jesus said, hey, come to me and you'll have life and you'll have it more abundantly. 
So in other words, if you don't come to him, there's not life anywhere else. And that's why most of us are in this room, because we tried to find life in the world. We tried to find life in religion. We tried to find life in sin. We discovered there's no life there. There's only life in Jesus. Amen, right? All right. Okay, so it's really simple. Give up control. One last thought for us today, and it's out of my favorite story that Jesus ever told. My favorite story that Jesus ever told is in Luke 15, and it's about two sons. It, well, it's actually about God that involved two sons. And it's a younger brother and an older brother. A younger brother wanted his inheritance early and he got it and he left his house, his father's house. And he went to Las Vegas and he spent it all on prostitutes and wild living and he just ruined his life and he decides, I gotta go back to my father. Now remember, Jesus is telling the story. Look at what Jesus says about God. So he returned home to his father. This is the prodigal son. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. How many of you are grateful that God sees you when you're not in church? I'm asking you a question today. How many of you got, how many, listen, let me ask you this way. How many of you are grateful that God sees you when you're not even thinking about God? When you're still in sin, when you're still in brokenness, and you're just coming thinking, I wonder about Celebration Church. Someone invited me to Friends Sunday. I wonder if I should go. I wonder, you know, someone invited you to Celebration Church and you're still hungover, so that's why you guys come to the 1130 service. But anyway, um, he's like, while he was still a long ways off, Jesus is telling a story about how God is. His father saw him coming, filled with love. God is filled with love and compassion. For you, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. That's amazing to me. Listen, when I was a boy, and I was 14 years old, and I was going to Catholic church, I had no concept of a God like that. That was, that was blasphemous to me. I, didn't, I had no concept that you could actually know God that you could have a relationship with God. And Jesus comes onto the scene of humanity and he's describing the father in this story and the father represents God. And he's like, we represent the prodigals and the older brothers and those people who are far from God. And he's like, I saw you when you were a long ways off and I ran after you the moment you began to have thoughts towards me. I ran towards you, I embraced you and I kissed you. We serve an amazing God. We serve an amazing Jesus. There's no one like Jesus. I love this. You want to know one reason I love this church? you got a big statement of Jesus' name right out there in your lobby. Someone comes in, they know what this church is all about right out of the chute. Come in, it's like, Jesus, woohoo! That's what this church is all about. So he embraces him and he kisses him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. I feel shame. His father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. We must celebrate. We must celebrate. Celebration, church. We must celebrate. <laughs> for this son of mine was dead, has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So what began? 
the party began. The party began. You see, before I knew that you, there was anything other than a treadmill, I had no idea you could have announcements with Mama D and Grandpa whoever. And you could have out sticky notes and slap them on their chest and you could laugh. I never laughed in church. I didn't know you could laugh in church. I didn't think you, that, would, that would be disrespectful. You couldn't do that in church. I think Jesus sits here and watches these announcements because I love Celebration Church. I love it. I love it. So the party began. Meanwhile, say meanwhile. <laughs> the older brother was in the fields working. He was on the treadmill. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house of God. And he asked one of the servants what was going on over there at Celebration Church in Nampa, Idaho. Well, your brother's back. He was told, your father's killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. He refused to go to the party. And that spirit of religion refuses to let you celebrate. That's what religion does. It refuses to let you celebrate. It refuses to let you bask in the wonder of the forgiveness of God over your life. You know, religion always wants you to make you feel guilty about what you've done or where you've been. And that's, it refuses to let you celebrate. But Jesus is like, come on over. Come on over, sit down. We'll sit for a little bit. I'll pour my life into you. I'll give you, I'll share my love with you. And in a moment, you're gonna be so overwhelmed that you're not gonna have to be told to lift your hands or to cry or to kneel or to celebrate because there's gonna be a celebration that comes out from within you, a river of living water. <laughs> a river of living water. It's like a party that never stops. The tap never runs dry. I am eternally grateful that Jesus reached into my family and pulled us out of the world's stuff of addiction and drug abuse and religion, which was probably the worst of all the stuff going on in my family, and reached in and said, you can have relationship with me. And so, my friends, I wanna pray for us today. Number one, that we would hear the cry, anyone who's thirsty, come. And if you're in the room and you're like, I don't know if I know Jesus. I don't know if I have an actual relationship with Jesus. Like, I've been in the garage, I'm not a car, I've been in church, I don't know God. And if that's you, Hear his standing up, his shout on the last day of that great feast. You're the anyone that he shouted 2,000 years ago, and he's shouting to you today, and it's reverberating into your heart, and he's knocking you, saying, anyone means you, come. I'm not ready, I'm not clean enough yet for you. He's like, exactly, come. Bypass the treadmill of religion, just walk by it. I do, five days a week in the gym. I don't even go to it, I just walk right by it. And then I wanna pray that all of us will be sure that we are having actual communion with Jesus and not just going through ritual stuff. 
but we're downloading from the giver of life every day in relationship and not rituals. So can we pray those two prayers together? Can we do that? So let's bow our heads just for a moment. My wife, I wanna ask you to come and join me. Bow our heads, close our eyes. If you're in this place right now and you say, Bob, I'm a part of that group. I'm not sure if I have a real relationship with Jesus or I'm pretty sure that I don't. But if I'm one of the any ones that he would welcome and cry out and call me, then I want, I want to receive that invitation. I want to give my life to him today. I want the real thing. Then I'm going to say a prayer. I'm not going to call you forward. But between me, you, and Jesus, I want to know who's in the room that would say, I want to pray that prayer with you. I want the real thing called Jesus. So if that's you, before I pray the prayer, would you just look up and just wave at me so I can catch eyes with you? And I just want to, between me, you, and the Lord, I'm going to look around. I see you here. Great. Who else here? I'm going to scan the room. I want to be sure that I don't miss you. Great. I see you, sir. I see you. Wonderful. Great. It's awesome. Thank you. Wonderful. All right. I'm going to pray on your behalf, and it's not my prayers, but you just mean this from your heart. Lord, I pray on behalf of my friends today. I hear your call. Or you say, anyone, I'm thirsty. I want the real thing. I want a relationship with you. I ask today you'd forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. I want you in my life. I want to be what the Bible says is born again. I thank you today for your love. I thank you today for a brand new beginning and a brand new start. I receive it right now in Jesus' name. And now, Father, I pray for all of us in the room. And I pray that all of us will walk right by that treadmill of religion and we will sit down in relationship with you and we will let a re the real thing always be our guide. May you always be our guide and may rituals and religion never play a role in our life again. I pray all of this in Jesus' matchless name. And everybody shouted amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap today, will you? Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.